It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You are listening to episode 96 of season number two of the Fly the W670 podcast, the return of Sammy Sosa. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Last time we recorded the podcast, we found out the stunning news of Shohei Otani's deferrals on his contract. As we are recording today, they are getting set to officially introduce Otani. So Crowley and I will pick up on that next week early on. We were confused exactly how it will all work. If MLB would accept it, if it went against the collective bargaining agreement. Well, in this segment, Crawley interviews John Becker, roster resource assistant for Fangraphs, to get a better understanding on how this record-breaking contract went down and how it exactly works. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm glad to have on John Becker. He is the roster resource assistant for Fangraphs. John, how are you doing tonight? Great. Thanks for having me. Um, really excited to be here. Well, you know, as Cub fans, we're just a little disappointed. We, you know, there was all sorts of rumors. Oh, the Cubs are in on Shohei and, oh, they're one of the finalists. And I think they were second on Vegas odds of where he was going to go. And now that it seems to come down to it, it doesn't seem like it was a real, real realistic dream in, at all. <laughs> no, it you know, the whole talk the whole time was it's going to be the Dodgers. And then there was some doubt sown that it wasn't going to be the Dodgers or didn't have to be the Dodgers. Um, but of course, it all ended up where everyone thought it would just maybe in a more more circuitous way. Some more teams maybe more strongly considered than we had thought. Um, but I think he, he ended up where if you had asked anyone before the season started, during the season, really before we had any real indications during his free agency, I think 95% of people would have said the Dodgers anyway. Well, here's the thing though. And you know, okay. He didn't pick the Cubs. He picked the Dodgers and you know, we're, you know, accepting of that, but then all of a sudden the news comes out about the contract, right? And you're talking 10 years, $700 million. Everyone's like, Ooh, and then kind of like dot, 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 and some deferred money in that contract. All right, that's not surprising. You know, we'd still pay Jason Hayward like $5 million. But I think when the details of Shohei's contract came out, one, I didn't even know that teams were allowed to do that. It, it, two, I'm just trying to understand the ramifications and wrap my head about it. What, you know, now what's the AAV, all of these things that kind of come into it. And that's where I think a lot of our listeners are kind of confused as to, A, how this happened, and B, why didn't any other team do this beforehand? Yeah, so I'll start with the is it allowed question. It is very explicitly allowed. Um, there's an article in the collective bargaining agreement that explicitly states that there is no limit to how much money can be deferred. There's no limit to how long it can be deferred for. Um, they could have theoretically deferred 68 million a year for 50 years um, if they had wanted to. There's no limitation whatsoever. Um, what deferring does is that it not only in a practical sense spreads out the cash flow and the payment schedule, in this case to 20 years instead of 10 years, it lowers the present value of the contract. So 
the, our whole economy is based on inflation. And we've been hearing a lot about that the last couple of years. What that means in a baseball sense is the value of the contract when there are deferrals gets recalculated based on the present value of the dollar. So, you know, if I have $10 right now, I'm going to be able to buy more than I can with $10 in 2043. The same applies to $68 million. Um, $68 million now is going to buy you more than it can buy you in 20 years. Um, so he's still ending up with $700 million. To me, that's indisputable. I still call it a $700 million contract. But the value of that $700, $700 million is a lot lower than it would be if he was getting paid $700 million over 10 years. He's getting paid $700 million over 20, a vast majority of which is years 11 through 20, when the value of the dollar will just have kept going down. Um, so that's where recalculating of the average annual value comes in. And that's that's kind of where I get, you know, so is that within the, the CBT, you know, the collective bargaining agreement or, I mean, where are the numbers that they figure for this? Because the CBT hit on this contract, 46 million a year, yep. as opposed to say 70 million. Yes. Yep. So the CB, the collective bargaining agreement, the CBA says that when contracts are deferred, um, the rate that is applied is the federal um, imputed loan interest rate for the October of the season before the contract starts. So in this case, it would be October of 2023. Contract starts in 2024. We look at the October 2023 rate. That rate is 4.43%. So that's how much the value of the dollar increases according to this interest rate over time and that value is applied applied in a deprecating sense to otani's contract so his money is worth less and less each year um 4.43 percent less each year so it's times four point sorry times um essentially there's division involved but essentially it's times um, like one minus 4.43% each year. So it's times 96%, times 96%, times 96%, times 96%. And when you multiply by 96% 10 times, that's how you get all the way down to that 46 million for each year. Now, I keep hearing that this was Otani's idea. Now, I, I mean, I get that. You know what I mean? That Shohei May said, pay me less so you can pay other guys more. Yeah. Understand that. But I mean, was this his agency? Was this the Dodgers who found this loophole? And and, and I mean, th that's, I guess, where I'm just like, okay, how did no other team do this before the Dodgers? So I think there's a few factors. One is that I don't know if there's any player other than Shohei Otani who could afford to essentially have this much of his value of the contract taken away. He makes reportedly up to $50 million a year in outside endorsements. There's no other player in the league who's going to come anywhere close to that. Um, so he can say, okay, you'll pay me $68 million 20 years from now. And I'll only make two because I'll make $50 million from all these other endorsements. Um, that's not to say that 
he wouldn't probably rather have $68 million right now than $68 million in 20 years, but it means a lot less to him knowing that he has those other outside revenue streams um, that a lot of players just don't get. Um, so it, I, I think nobody's done it because a, maybe nobody thought to, I I'm sure every player agent in the industry knows that there are no limits on how much can be deferred, but I don't think it would have crossed anybody's mind until now, until Otani asked, presumably asked his agent and asked the union, is this something that I can do? Because I want to give the Dodgers the opportunity to build around me by lowering my CBT head. Um, I think if you were to flip it, you know, an agent going to a player and saying, hey, would you theoretically be willing to defer 97% of your contract? <laughs> Probably wouldn't go over that well. It almost had to be suggested by him to not be viewed as an insulting thing to ask of the player. Well, I mean, like I said, I just, I, I find that nuts. And so basically the Dodgers are going to be under the, the first threshold for the luxury tax because of this, they can go out and get Yamamoto or whoever the heck they want, you know, at this point in time, I guess then my question would be, you know, with most of this payment having to be done 2034 to 2043, which again, just is just, I know it sounds crazy, but it's like 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even know if there's going to be a luxury tax in 10 years. I mean, if that's going to be, bargained in bargained out but but let's say theoretically everything stays as is that 68 million they're going to be paying him 2034 through 2043 per year would have to count against the luxury tax then right no so the reason why the value is calculated based on the present value is so that 68 million can be correctly applied only during the contract years when the Dodgers make those payments. I'm sure that um, Guggenheim Baseball Partners, who owns the Dodgers, is going to have that on their own ledger for their own financial purposes. Um, but as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, those payments are made for luxury tax calculations only in the next 10 years. So that's why the value of the $70 million is recalculated. Because yes, it is paid in 2034, but it's applied to 2023. Yes, it's paid in 2025 or 2035, but it's applied to 2024. And that's why the value goes down. To 46 million per year as opposed to 70. Yeah. Oh my God. I was told there'd be no math. And now yes, look, what look, is, look, look what I'm stuck in. <laughs> this is the most complicated contract in probably professional sports history um, within the confines of, a given league's collective bargaining agreement. I know that NFL contracts can get very funky with what is and isn't guaranteed and how and why and how that affects the cap. But yeah, like you said, this is entirely unprecedented in baseball. And I think the big question going forward is, will this become more of a precedent? Um, I personally doubt it, at least to this extent. I think that again, Otani having incredibly unique to him outside of baseball income streams make it much more doable for him than it is for Juan Soto, who I'm sure gets endorsement money, and I'm sure not $50 million a year. Um, So 
Right. But I guess what, where I kind of go with this now is I think about the other free agents that are out there. And, and again, you know, obviously you'd like to have a big chunk of money every year, but if I'm an athlete, you know, that, you know, you never know what's going to happen in your post playing career, you know, thing opportunities are going to dry up. That just happens naturally. Hell, I go to autograph shows all the time and see guys that made some pretty good chunk of change out there signing and try to make a couple extra bucks. I guess if I'm a guy like say Cody Bellinger and I stand to make, let's, let's put it at 150, right? I could just say, well, give me half of it now and then defer half of it. And I, I can see stuff like, you know, 70 million to live off of, I think should be pretty okay. And then to have a, a solid source of income, you know, talking about 10 years down the road, that doesn't seem like it'd be a bad idea for most players. I mean, we all kind of joked about Bobby Bonilla day, but this is kind of, now this is making me rethink how front offices are going to approach again, not 98% of a contract like show. Hey, but you could easily take a look and, and offer somebody, you, you could say, well, you know, half or 60% of a hundred million. I mean, that that's still doable. Yeah, so I think there's two things that players and, and their representatives will have to consider going forward. One of them is just, you know, the income stream that the player needs during the life of their contract. And I would say for anyone making 20 plus million dollars a year, deferring half of that should be no problem to live off of. Um, but the other thing and the more important thing to consider is then back to the present value what is the contract worth in dollars at the time it's being signed? So let's flip the Otani deal around. If if I said at the beginning of the offseason, he's going to get 10 years, $460 million. That's it. No, no strings attached, no deferrals. I think most people would have said that that feels about right. Maybe a little light, but in the ballpark, 46 million a year, 10 years. That's what his contract is worth in 2023 dollars. It is a $700 million contract, but the reason why this complicated math is done and the CBT is recalculated is to express what the contract is worth. So for someone like Cody Bellinger, I think him getting $150 million with no deferrals feels roughly in the range of correct, probably the low end of what people are expecting him to get vaguely. You then defer half of that and it goes down to, let's say that's 115 million. Well, then Scott Boris has to say, well, I can just go get him 150 million actual dollars without deferrals somewhere else. So that's what you have to consider because then it does really open up the whole Pandora's box of, oh, we can actually end up paying a guy less than contracts that people thought that they would get and we can just get them to agree to defer and players now, and agents will not want that right now when you're talking about cbt i just want our listeners to know that means the competitive balance tax so we're using a lot of acronyms the cbt is the competitive balance tax that's the luxury tax that we yes. talk about that threshold and i think it's 237 million this year. Is that right? I think it went up to, gosh, the lowest one is 243 now, I believe. 243. And, and the CBA is the bargaining agreement, the yes. collective bargaining agreement between MLB and the players union. Yes. And so as we're kind of looking at this right here, I mean, everybody knew that this was something that could potentially be done. Like you said, maybe not to the extent, 
but you, we're talking about Article 16, deferred compensation. This is from the collective bargaining agreement. There shall be no limitation on either the amount of deferred compensation or the percentage of total compensation attributable to deferred compensation for which a uniform player's contract may provide. Now, as we're looking at this right now, and the Sox are talking, or the Dodgers are talking about getting, say, Yamamoto and then and, and Tyler Glass now, and put that together with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and, uh, and, uh, Shohei, I mean, who has a chance, I guess, is something that you think about. And and when I think about this, I also think about, say, maybe some of the smaller market owners, small, smaller market teams. We have the White Sox on the south side of town. Like Jerry Reinsdorf can't be happy about this, can he? He can't, but here's the thing. So Reinsdorf is 87. Other owners have made pretty clear plans or you know off ramp um plans for leaving their organization selling their organization deferrals get transferred to new ownership it probably pretty directly lowers the amount that you can get by selling the team by maybe the exact amount of the deferral but at least you're passing the payment on to somebody else um I think this potentially gives teams an opportunity to be a little bit more creative and say, well, I'll defer a large chunk of this contract to when I'm between the ages of 105 and 115, and that won't matter to me. Um, does does that mean that Jerry Reinsdorf will suddenly start giving out 100, 150, $200 million <laughs> contracts? No, but that is something that I think we have to consider as a – broader possibility on a obviously much lower level and a much lesser scale than Otani's deferrals are. So what do you think the chances are the next collective bargaining agreement when this one expires? I mean, this is a tough thing now is that if the owners accepted it before and the players wanted this, well, then the players aren't going to give it up without the owners giving something up. How, how much do you think this is going to be an issue at the next collective bargaining agreement? So, so what's good is that we have a few more years less left of this collective bargaining agreement. We have three more years. So that's two more off seasons before the off season in which this all gets negotiated again. Um, even though it feels like the lockout was yesterday um, <laughs> to see, okay, let's see how commonplace this becomes. Let's see what Juan Soto's deal looks like. Let's see what um, other you know, huge contracts look like. If other big contracts are just pretty straight up or, or on a sort of Max Scherzer level where a third of it was deferred, I don't think owners are really going to raise much of an issue. Now, if it's every big contract is getting so much of their value deferred, which is a twofold effect on small market teams, because one, like I suggested, that's not going to start small market teams from handing out $200 million contracts, no matter how long they're deferred for. And that benefits the big market teams who can't afford it even more because it lowers their tax hit. So I think it's a wait and see. I think that if it becomes commonplace as a way, not, I, I, you know, I wouldn't call it a loophole of, because it's very explicitly written, but as a way to pretty easily lower a tax hit. And if we start see teams using it all the time and very few teams paying the luxury tax, 
because the tax then gets redistributed to non-luxury taxpayers, um, similar to revenue sharing, while then those owners who are a majority who don't pay the luxury tax are probably going to be annoyed that their pool of money just got a lot smaller and that these teams who might draw a harder line of going up to the luxury tax line suddenly can make much better, more expensive um, in undepreciated dollars before you do the recalculation teams. Um, and that could lead to some competitive imbalance. But knowing that Otani had an unprecedented free agency with an unprecedented career path, with an unprecedented access to outside of baseball income, I think we just have to wait and see ultimately. Oh my God, John, I can't believe this Pandora's box had just opened up, man. This is just, to me, I just, like I said, it, it's, I, I have a Ryan Sandberg uh, signed uh, Sports Illustrated cover where he was making $7 million a year. And now you're, you know, like I said, you need, you need an advanced degree in mathematics to just put this all together. And, and, and you know, like I said, cheers on Otani. He really does want to be on a winning team. And, and I, to me, if you're a Bryce Harper or you're a Juan Soto or you're a guy that's going to make a ton of money, that just makes all the sense in the world so that you could actually play for a winning team. Nobody wants to be, you know, Mike Trout on the Angels for his whole career kind of just doing nothing. Right. I think, you know, when you're Otani and um, Farhan Zaidi of the Giants said yesterday that Otani's rep reps came back with the same offer and Farhan said, okay, we're willing to do it. And it was just left up to Otani. And he of course picked the Dodgers. Um, when you're in a position to basically dictate what your contract is going to look like or where you want to play. Um, and you can sort of exercise all the leverage you want to play for the Dodgers. Um, you get to have it both ways. He, got that, you know, 24 to 36 hours of, wow, it's $700 million. Gets to play for the team he probably wanted to play for all along and still has a record, even after you adjust downward with that 4.43%, he still has the AAV average annual value record. He still has the total contract record, even if he's the 460. So, I mean, yeah, he, got, he gets to basically win in every regard. He got to play where he wanted for, for the biggest offer and keep the Dodgers somehow <laughs> below the tax line. Um, you know, it was the story for years had been, and we saw it a lot last off season with basically how little the Dodgers did in terms of signing free agents. Um, I think they had signed, including this off season, including like up to Joe Kelly and Jason Hayward. Um, I believe they had signed 10 or 12 consecutive one-year contracts up until Otani. They had spent off-seasons planning to go maybe duck under the tax line the year before, go all out for Otani. And now it turns out probably, you know, they probably will go over the tax line anyway. They're in talks for Glasnow. They're in talks for Yamamoto. But they probably can get to a point where they won't even get over that third tax line where their first draft pick goes back 10 spots. So they're just in an unbelievably envious, enviable position. Um, and as usual, they have a very good farm system that they can just keep graduating through or keep using in trade. Well, John, I'm going to go cry in a beer, but before <laughs> you leave, do me a favor and tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on the socials. 
Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at John Becker underscore. Um, if you go to Fangraphs on Roster Resource and click on any of the payroll pages, um, that's all me. Um, if you have any questions about that, I'm pretty easily accessible on Twitter as well. Um, and I do occasionally do some articles for Fangraphs, um, like the very complicated math and acronym heavy article on the Otani uh, deal. And I'm sure there will be more to be written about this offseason about payrolls as more money gets spent and more disparity seems to find itself in play like it does every year. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and trying to make some sense for it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me.